0: this is Shomer Man sending out the Avenger Initiative. Back in five seven seven six, during the month of E R, on the twenty-first day, an idea was brought forth. What if we took each of the Marvel superhero characters and created Shomer versions of them to show a picture of what we do spiritually when we dive into the Torah? when we begin to connect back to those ancient sources, the Midrash, the Halakha, the Talmud, the Oral Torah, the Hasidic thoughts, the words of the fathers, the thoughts of the Chazal, and just getting connected to the Torah itself, the foundation of everything, which is the Ruach HaKodesh, the Ruach of Hashem, From these things were birthed forth salvation, the idea of the Redeemer, and it continues, so on and so forth. So we're looking for a team of people who would join together in perfect love, perfect unity, fellowship, and in joy, and in gladness, and honor, and respect, and kindness. Band together to team up and fight against lawlessness, Torahlessness, and sourcelessness in the four corners of the earth, to destroy MSU, to destroy twisting and contorting of the scriptures. So I'm calling you, if that is you, to dive in and grab a hold of the deep seed of Mashiach Yeshua. Choose your Avenger character, choose your Avenger name, and blow it up. Seek and take hold of the kingdom by force, following the footsteps of Mashiach Yeshua and peace in his coming. So if that is you, please, we call forth you now to join us in this mission. And may the coming of Mashiach be speedily and soon in our days. Shalom.
1: Well, I'd like to welcome you to the Avenger Initiative. It is uh the timing of the Season of Our Joy, and as we're launching out into the new year during the first 22 days of the month of Tishrei, is the time that we are considered to be in the name of Hashem, and this is the time we should be asking Hashem what we want. Obviously asking in his name, as it says in Yochanan chapter 15. Uh, Yeshua says, ask anything in my name and it will be granted to you. This is that time frame and this is that opportunity. I bring this up because, you know, it's not really a joke. It's, it's kind of funny uh, and it's also, at the same time, it's actually pretty legit. One of the things that we have to be aware of is that our thoughts and our words, our thoughts, our speech, our deeds, they affect the cosmos, they affect the universe, they affect your surroundings, they affect your very psyche. And so with this time I wanted to take to uh, just let you know that the Avengers was an idea that was spawned corresponding to the 21st of ER of the year of 5776. It is currently 5780. So we're looking at a pretty good time frame that this idea was birthed and it has been operated in, and here we are. And on the Gregorian calendar that corresponds to May the 28th, 2016. So it is currently 2019. So just kind of looking at all of this, I wanted to give everyone the opportunity to know exactly what is this all about. So with that being said, I would like to begin with what is a Avenger? If you couldn't hear the transmission, Uh, from the audio file that I played. Basically, it is this. Imagine if there were Shomer versions of all of the superheroes from the comic books, the movies, and TV shows in a world overrun with MSU, anti-missionaries, messianics, Hebrew rooters, Torahlessness, and anti-Semitism. There stands a group of individuals that join together By the Ruach of Hashem, sourcing out violent truth. As Mashiach put it in the Gospels, ever since the days of Yochanan, the kingdom has been advancing and the violent take it by force. That's what Avengers do. And it says we source out violent truth at its finest, blazing a path of the light of the lapid through darkness in the four corners of the world. Haver is the root word of havenger, means to ally or join together, as first used in 14 fourteen three. No one knows it all, and neither does anyone own all the sources. As children of Hakadosh Baruku and followers of Mashiach Yeshua, we must team up and grab a hold of the kingdom by force. Studying and sharpening one another in Torah and mitzvot, dropping insights and commentary like such that has never been heard before, building up and supporting the mishpacha and community. We may not be able to convert the world, but you can be sure we will have vengeance. Come on, get you some. Talmudic insight will follow after the bracha for studying the Word of God. Barukata <speaking> Adonai, <in> Eloheinu Elohenu, Menakaolam, Asher Kitchanu be Mitwata Betivanu, La Asok be Divre Torah. Ve ha'arevna Adonai, Eloheinu, Et Divre Torateka. Befinu ufi, Amka Betisra el. Ve niea naknu, Vedza etza enu, Vedza etza e Amka Betisra Israel. Kulanu yodea shemeka ve'lom de torateka lishma. Baruch ata Adonai hame, hamlamed Torah Leamo Yisrael. Amen. Baruch haba b'shem Adonai. May be the will of Adonai that... The year 5780 be the year of continuous unfolding of the final redemption, and may it be the will of Adonai to reveal Mashiach ben David and the final redemption speedily and soon in our days. Amen. In the Talmud Masekit Gittin 58a, it says, It is related that once happened that they did this to two children. One of them said to the other, where is this affliction written in Torah? The other said to him, as it is written, also every sickness and plague and every plague, which is not written in this book of Torah, Devarim twenty eight sixty one. The first one said, how far am I in my studies from this, i.e., how much more would I have had to learn in order to reach this verse. The other said, had you gone one and a half columns, which is the word Pusta, you would have reached this. The first child said to the other, had I reached this verse, I would not have needed you as I would have known on my own that the verse was speaking about this end of section. This is taking place during the Roman, uh, basically the beginning of the Roman exile that we are currently in the, the exile of Edom. And this was a short account of many terrible tragedies that befell us as Yehudim with the destruction of the Beit HaMikdash based off of the blessings and the curses that are in Parsha Kitavo, And when you look at this account, this is in the middle of different things that are happening. And these two children are talking about, you know, where do we see these afflictions that we're currently facing in the Torah? And, you know, and obviously they bring this up about, you know, this is what is not written in the book of Torah. These are sicknesses and plagues that have come upon us because of our disobedience and I love this last phrase that talks about, you know, the 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 children encouraging one another. One is saying, had you gone a little further, you would have reached this verse and the other saying, well, if I would have reached this verse, I would not have needed you. And I love just just that the underlying statement is that. We can study, study, study. We can be so savvy and we can be so aware of what's in the Torah, how much we've learned, how many notes we've taken, but there's something still left unturned. Rabbi Griffin is beautifully sharing this and elucidating this during the Aliyah day for the week of Sukkot for 5780, talking about there are so many insights and there's not time to get to them. And there are so many things that we won't be able to cover. And the fact is, is that we won't ever be able to cover all in sources. We won't, e- out, or sleek eye. we won't ever be able to cover all of the sources, all of the insights. Insights and sources is in sources. There we go. Anyway, making enough words. I'm Shomer Man. That's what I do because I'm quippy like that, I guess. Anyway. So this is the idea of a Avenger is to be able to connect those dots and to cover the proverbial six of one another, you know, as a group, men and women who are Shomer, Mitzvot, seeking Hashem, striving to grow with all that we have. There are just some things that we will fall short in and we have to be okay with that, because if we could do it all, we wouldn't be human beings, first of all, and we would not be in exile, second of all, and Mashiach would have already been here. and We would have been resurrected already. But until that time, because even when that happens, we're still going to be learning and it's still going to be a get you some. And we're just still going to be like, I, this is the same Torah. Like, what is this? This is in the Messiah text that Mashiach is going to teach us a new Torah. Because when the resurrection of the dead happens, the Torah will rearrange itself to its primordial form as it was given to Adam in the garden. And when this happens, this is the Torah that we're going to learn. There will be no death. There will be no sickness. There will be no disease and impurity. So the Torah, as it was before it included these things and this information, that's the Torah we're going to be learning in the time to come but even then we're still going to have the opportunity to avenge because memtet is going to be the one teaching us and how many years infinitely timelessness beyond us is he because he's an extension of hashem and you know there's that but i digress So when it comes to basically what I'm saying, when it comes to learning, when it comes to studying, when it comes to growing, when it comes to walking out the will of Adonai in the world, that it's going to take a community. It's going to take a team. It's going to take a mishpachah. And this is the purpose of avenging. First of all, it's to add fun to your Torah study because you know, if you think about, let's just, you know, take a character like, you know, the Hulk. Let's talk about the Hulk. The Hulk is getting shined this week, and I love it. Because, in the words of Iron Man, Tony Stark, he said, You're tiptoeing, big man, you need to strut. You know, that's from the first Avengers movie. And so, that's kind of how I feel sometimes, because the Hulk is very powerful. He's literally a one-man army. But, you know, he still needs backup. But anyway... So imagine the Hulk, when he drops his insights, he's jumping, you know, leaping buildings and smashing things and taking out a whole squadron of enemies by himself. You know, this is what he does when he shares, you know, an insight or when he finds a drop. You know, you can feel it. You know, that's the whoa, you know, like when he talked about the mitzvah of Asuka, And how you can use your arm to discover the halakha of the sukkah. And this is just a story that he learned while he was on a trip to Yisrael, you know, during the festival of Sukkot. And how you can look at your arm, you can hold it like in a a bent shape, like you're about to hug someone. And think about the sukkah being Hashem's arm hugging us. And how you can see that, you know, from your your shoulder to your elbow, that's one wall. From your elbow to your wrist, that's another wall. And from your wrist to your fingertips, that's the third wall. And a sukkah is kosher if it has two full walls and just a portion of the third wall. And so just kind of looking at that, your halakha for Sukkot is literally within arm's reach. The other thing that I love about the Hulk is how... He continuously, you know, shares things and he's very professional with sourcing things out and lining things back up to case precedents and connecting dots so beautifully. And so anyway, just kind of a a thing on that. Another thing about being a Avenger is that where people excel and where people succeed, you know, you really take it to the max, take it to the the limitlessness that you have. Because Hashem will continue to grant revelation upon revelation, the more that we ask Him, the more that we refine ourselves, the more that we humble ourselves. It is literally written, those who humble themselves will be exalted, but those who exalt themselves will be brought low. The essence of being a avenger is to humble yourself and realize Hashem has granted you a portion of Torah but he's also granted other people portions of Torah and we should encourage that we should uplift that we should be inspired by that and when we share something we shouldn't feel like oh man yeah i just threw it down i'm the biggest baddest one of them all because when it comes to the fact of being a avenger we're stronger as a force rather than by ourselves. Yes, there are times where we're going to be on our own like when we're, you know, in traffic going to work or, you know, when we're dealing with coworkers or visiting family or something like that where we may you know, have family members that are not Torah observant and it's, you know, uh, a witnessing opportunity to them, not witnessing as in tell them that they're sinners and they need to follow Torah, but meeting their needs. You know, what kind of pain are they going through? Do they need just a listening ear? Do they need just an open heart? Do they need the non-judgmentalness? You know. Being able to understand that, you know, if they're trying to offer you uh, unkosher food, that whether it's coming from a bad place or not, you continue to extend mercy and extend kindness to them. Though they slay you, yet will you serve them kind of thing. People can definitely feel how you think about them. And this is one of the reasons why before you even enter a room or before you even talk to a person, the person has already chosen how they're going to respond, if they're going to receive you or not. And so we have to be aware of that. This comes from what's uh, what's called our intentions. So our intentions precede us. So if we go into a meeting or if we go into a room and we're just like so put out with the people that are in there, we're so irritated, frustrated with them. People can feel that from literally miles away. And so one of the coolest things being tour observant is to understand how you became tour observant and give other people that same opportunity. You know, I think back to when I was a Christian and I never saw myself as eating kosher, never saw myself understanding completely the Old Testament. I didn't even know there was a such thing as an oral Torah, a Talmud, a Midrash, Halakha, Mishnah, Agada. Like I didn't know, especially Gematria. You know, I never even thought the numbers truly had meaning. I've heard of Bible codes. But I thought people were just smoking crack and coming up with stuff. But that, that wasn't true. But it wasn't until, you know, I went through enough heartache. I went through enough pain. I went through a, enough of the rock bottom and being in the pit with the snakes and scorpions as Yosef was. Yes, Parshavayashev was all about Yosef being thrown into a pit full of snakes and scorpions, which means how did he survive the fall, much less survive the snakes and scorpions that were in there? Well, I seem to recall Mashiach saying, I give you the dominion over snakes and scorpions and you will trample them. And then I distinctly remember the ark going before the children of Israel with the broken pieces of the sapphire tablets and the ark made by Moshe, that fire emitted from them, destroying the snakes and the scorpions that were in the wilderness and all the wild beasts being scattered. And then the cloud that accompanied that same ark also leveled the high places and lifted the low places so that we could literally walk on straight and narrow paths because we would have to stay within the parameters of the clouds. Literally walking in the way, the truth and the life, the life that Hashem would give us, the truth of his Torah and in the way in which he would lead us. So, you know, that was apparent in the story of Yosef. So now we can see how Yosef was even a believer and a follower of Mashiach. Because again, as we talked about in the previous podcast, the Sukkah GT, that, you know, Mashiach is not an independent entity of Hashem. He literally is an extension. Consider him, well, we we know that he's the arm of God, but sometimes it seems like in our thinking and in our, uh, in our demeanor about being believers in Mashiach, that we, in a sense, proverbially chop Hashem's right arm off, and then we just wave it around in the air like, oh, look at my Mashiach, as opposed to saying, this is Hashem manifest as the Redeemer, the one who's going to de- deliver us from the kingdom of darkness and bring us into His marvelous light. For instance, we're praying during the the um, Hoshian notes, during Sukkot. Listen at what we're saying. Hoshiana Lemaanka Elohenu Hoshiana. Please save for your sake our God. Please save. And then we go on to say Hoshiana Lemaanka Borinu Hoshiana. Please save for your sake, our creator, please save. Hoshiana Lemaanka Goaleinu, Hoshiana. Please say, for your sake, our redeemer, Hoshiana. Then we're saying, Hoshiana, kador shenu, Hoshiana. Please say, for your sake, our attender. Where in that do we see Melech, Mashiach, Yeshua, separated from the presence and the essence of Hashem? It's all encapsulated. And then if that weren't enough, we have... The rest of the Hoshiano that we go into th- into, we say Anivahu Hoshiana. Anivahu Hoshiana, Which is Anivaho bring salvation now. Vaho being the second letters, the the third and fourth letters of the Tetragrammaton. That is actually a divine name. So when we talk about putting Yodenhe, which again acronym Yeshua Hamashiach, with Vav and he, which is Vaho, you know, this is a divine name of Hashem. And so we talk about as you save the Terebent and Lud, which is another name for Mitzrayim, along with yourself when you went forth to save the nation. So save now. So, which is Ken hoshian, Hoshiana. And when you look at this, when Hashem delivered us from Mitzrayim, it was him. It was his mighty right hand. As it literally says in Yeshayahu, it was the angel of his presence that saved us. So, you know, if it was Hashem's hand, the angel of his presence, Hashem himself, think about that in the context of Mashiach Yeshua being our deliverer. You know, looking at Hashem using the vessel of the body, which is the likeness of mankind, literally the second Adam to bring salvation to all mankind. You know, this is the whole picture of what was left undone in the garden after eating from the tree. Adam could have saved all of mankind at that point, had he not eaten the fruit and literally brought Shuva you know, to Hava and, you know, subsequently to all of their offspring. He could have redeemed her, but that didn't happen until Mashiach Yeshua. And so you have this, this picture here that, you know, even within the context of how salvation looks, it's all Hashem. Hashem is our Redeemer. Hashem is our Maker. Hashem is our Creator. If you go to the Havdala Brachah, we say, "Hinei El Yeshua Ti, Eftak VeLo Right here, "Ki Aziv Zimrat Hashem Yeshua." Right there, you've just prayed for salvation. So check it out. It says, behold, God is my salvation. I shall trust and not fear for God is my might and my praise Adonai. And he literally the tetragrammaton Hashem Elokeinu. And he was a salvation for me. Literally Li Yeshua. He was a salvation for me. And obviously in Li Yeshua, you see the name Yod-Shin-Vav-Ain, which is the name of Yeshua. So just kind of looking at, you know, our, our faith, you know, it's all Hashem. So I just love the fact that, you know, as Avengers, you know, this is what we talk about. We bring everything back to the sources and we realize, you know, the fabric from which we are cut and, you know, we give other people space and opportunity. We, we bring light into dark areas. And this is the concept of avenging. You know, when people truly have questions that they want answers to. We have sources. We, By the way, we have an engine. It's on a file share called Magen. So if you're interested in that, you know. You can send an email and uh you know my email I can tell you right now is amet 150 at iCloud.com. And uh obviously uh this will be at a discretion so you will have access to a host of sources, uh vi- videos, audio, pictures, text messages uh pdfs i'm talking the works it's called Moggin. so this is our equivalent of shield which obviously now we call sword because uh sword is the new base that they moved to as of the spider-man far from home movie but i digress so we were like oh we need an acronym and it's like mogin we don't know what mogin's gonna stand for yet but mogin itself is literally the word for shield so, um, yeah. So when we come up with an acronym of MIM, GIML, noon, then, uh, you know, we'll just go from there. But in the meantime, we'll just, you know, keep it rolling. Cause that's just what we do. So anyway, so we even have that. So in case people need to call for backup, we have literally sources on tap and it's all, you know, marked up who said what you can get in contact with that Avenger, you know, and y'all can team up and do some, do some holy damage, you know, which means busting up Kleep out and shining more light into the world. So the other thing, too, because I talked about how, you know, being a Avenger it adds fun. I just want to go back to that real quick and just say, you know, if you're studying Torah, if you're sourcing things out and if you're praying, if you are truly being hovering together, you know, you're literally exponentially increasing the merit of your Torah study. You're exponentially increasing the the etching, as it is, of the Torah in your heart, in your soul, in your mind, in your spirit, in your very being. You know, it also increases illumination because it's brought down in Talmud that jealousy among Torah scholars. Yes, as a follower of Mashiach Yeshua, grafted into the vine, we become Torah scholars because the water that flows through us, because Yeshua says, put, my, put your amuna in me, and out of you, rivers of living water will flow. Literally, the Beit HaShoeva, the water drawing ceremony picture, you know, that happens. And so, you know, we share something, somebody else who's a Avenger hears it, they tag, which by the way, tag has the gematria of and God said Vyomaradonai basically. And so that was something uh if it's not Viomaradonaye, it's Vio Elohim, I'll have to go back and look that up. But um you know what? I'm gonna look it up right now because I'm Shomer Man. I can source it out. So Stand by. I'm going to go over here to my fancy little engine and get this drop for us Uh, because tag is I think we're going with Tet. No, we're going with uh, what are we going? Tet Gimel. Let's see. I don't remember how we made tag a Hebrew word. Let's see what this works. Let's see, uh, Tet Aleph Gimel. We'll give it the full spelling. You can say Tet Gimel or Tet Aleph Gimel. Uh, well, just so you know, Tet Aleph Gimel is the gematria of Echad. So I'm pretty sure we used a Tav originally when we did this. So let's see what it says uh, boom, 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 Okay. So that's Tav Gimel tag. Oh, Vayikra Elohim. That's what it was. So we did Tav Gimel and, uh, that was, that was the, uh, picture of it. Uh, oh, Vayomer Elohim Hine and behold, God said, so, that was kind of one of the other ways we went with it. So, Tet and Tav, by the way, according to the Targum on are interchangeable. So, you know, whether you want to say Tav, Gimel, or Tet, Gimel, you know, same picture. And it all has to do with being Echad. It all has to do with uh, what Hashem is saying. And remember, we're being vessels of Hashem as we are being Torah receptacles. As we allow the Torah to come into us, we become vessels of Hashem. Uh, The dictionary of the Targumim would be a very, very beautiful source for everyone to get because when you go through each of the letters, uh, by the way, it's by Marcus Jastrow uh, published 1926. So that's the dictionary of the Targum meme. The Targum Unkelos on the Torah portions is also another beautiful ins- uh, insight. Artscroll has a new format that they released that's very, very awesome. I encourage everyone to get it. I love to have that with me uh, from time to time. There are publications. They have a few... Torah portions that they haven't translated it yet, so they're still waiting. But Targum Unkelos is available to get because when you learn your Aleph Bet, by the way, the Zohar brings down that the Aleph Bet is probably the most deepest insights you could ever study as far as what Torah offers. So that's saying something, but you can learn the, the meanings of the letters. You can also, through the Targum meme, the Targum, you can learn how the letters can interchange because this is also another thing that I did during the uh, first day of Sukkot, uh, Shakarit, uh, teaching that I was allowed to be a part of with Captain Israel in the incredible Talent. I was talking about the Zal Emunatka, the shadow of our faith, um, for the Sukkah. And, uh, that is Zal is Sadi. And then Emunah is Aleph, and you switch those around to Aleph-Sadi, and you can get the word Eitz, but Eitz is actually spelled with an Ayin. And the beautiful thing about the Ayin is that Ayin is, according to the Targum, it interchanges with Aleph, also interchanges with Chet. And so, uh, and then it says also with the letter Vav and the letter kuf. So, you know, this is so beautiful that you can, you know, switch these things out like that. So anyway, um, and then with the Aleph, it also, it says you can interchange with other gutter, guttural letters. Uh, it has quite a few informations here. So it brings that up there, there, there. And also we should know too that the Aleph of the word or is also interchanged as or with instead of Aleph Vav Resh, it is Ayin Vav Resh. And this is the skin that we received after we lost the or, like the Aleph skin, like the light. We used to be clothed and light, as with a garment, like literally our whole body was the essence of what the Talit is, which was clouds of glory, the light of the Torah. I mean, it was this supernatural thing, but we lost that light and we got a lesser light, which was Ayin. And so when you look at the sukkah, the sukkah takes us from an Aleph back up, or the sukkah is an Aleph back up from an Ayin, so... Literally, if you kind of look at the inner meaning of what actually happens when you spell its tree, eights, basically, with an aleph instead of an ayin, you're actually going back up to the aleph to represent the, the higher dimension of the light that we lost from, you know, eating from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And so, literally, your sukkah is like this ridiculous, amazing thing. Uh, I've been reading the Torah Wellsprings on uh, Sukkot, and let me just tell you, it's such an incredible amount of information. It's at least 20-something pages uh, of a PDF of different insight from Cephas M.S. Talmud, uh, different sages throughout the ages. That's, I didn't mean to rhyme that, but that's funny and uh, different chasidus teachings you know and one of the things is it literally says the sukkah is uh likened to sitting in the garden sitting in gani Den, which i was kind of like okay i get it because we're sitting under the tree like the tree of life and then another thing was the sukkah has the name of hashem up on it and uh it is likened to a corbin a sacrifice an offering so you're literally sitting inside of an offering upon the altar of Hashem when you're sitting in your sukkah. So being a living sacrifice. And, you know, so it's kind of interesting too, because the, the bracha for sitting in a sukkah is Leshev Basuka, who commands us to dwell in the sukkah. Shev is the word for dwell, but it's also the word for sit. And it's also the word for return. So when you think about sitting at the feet of Yeshua, which would be sitting at the feet of the word of God made flesh, sitting at the feet of Hashem's right arm, or returning to Hashem, or, you know, basically dwelling with Hashem, it's just this whole picture there. So that's literally what's happening with the sukkah. So, you know, it's just incredible things to think through. Slika. So... The other thing I found in this Torah Wellsprings that just really floored me was this. Uh, this is literally on page uh, 12 and 13. So I want to write or I'm going to go ahead and start from here. It says Rebbe David of Lelov, uh, may his memory be for a blessing, once listened to a Melamed, a teaching teaching a young child. So Melamed is a person who studies and is also teaching what they study. So they're teaching a young child. And it says, the Melamed say, said, Hashem's name is very holy. Therefore, the Humash doesn't always write out Hashem's name. In case it somehow becomes Khalila, which means desecrated, ripped, and the like. Instead, the Humash writes two Yodes. So, the four letter name of Hashem, if you want to preserve that name, because like in English we say G D, in Hebrew you can just put two Yodes. And if you put two Yodes, this is safeguarding the name of Hashem. And also putting Hashem's name in a place where, you know, if it's uh, on a piece of paper that might fall on the ground or that may get ripped or it's in a book that may get desecrated somehow, if it's these two yodes, this is concealing the name of Hashem so that literally the four letters of Hashem's name isn't ripped up. So continuing on, it says, these two Yod's should be read as Hashem's name. Side note, when you see Hashem or when you see the four letter name, you know, in your your sources, uh, as you're reading or as you're praying, as far as Torah study, you can say Adonai instead of saying Hashem. The Siddur brings this down, by the way, at the beginning of pronouncing the name, because when you're praying and when you're in, in Torah study and when you're teaching Torah, you actually enter into a more sanctified space so that you would actually be able to pronounce Hashem's name as Adonai as opposed to just saying Hashem. Now, it's not wrong to say Hashem, but it's just another, uh, a, another like realization, a, a awareness, a cognizance, if you will, that you've entered into a sanctified space when you're davening and when you're Torah studying. So you'll notice on the podcast as I'm reading, you know, when I read sources, I'll say Adonai as opposed to saying Hashem. And then if I'm just in colloquial conversation, I would say Hashem. So when we're talking to one another, we'll say, oh, Baruch Hashem, as opposed to saying Baruch Adonai, because we'll say Baruch Adonai if we're saying a barakah. So anyway, just a little side note there. Now it goes on to say... When the Melamed reached the end of the pasuk, the Melamed didn't say Hashem's name. The student asked, there are two yuds there, the two dots at the end of a pasuk. So if you're reading in your Humash or your Tanakh, in the Ivrit section on the Hebrew side of the page, at the end of each verse, you'll see two dots on top of one another. That's indicating that that's the end of the verse, and the next word that's gonna to follow towards your left is the new verse. So when you're looking at your margins, you'll see there's little letters. It's like Aleph, Bet, Gimel, Dalid, Hay, Vav, Zayin, uh Chet, Chet Tet, Yud, Kaf. Uh, and then you'll see Slika. Uh, you'll see Yud. I'm trying to visualize this as opposed to look at it. Okay, so after Yud, which means you've reached verse 10, you're going to see Yud Aleph, which is going to be 11, Yud Vet, which is going to be 12, Yud Gimel, which is 13, Yud Dalet, 14. Now notice it's going to change up and it's going to say Tet Vav to make the word for 15 because nine is Tet Vav is six. Nine plus six equals fifteen. So normally we would say Yod Hey for fifteen, right? But Yod Hey is a part of Hashem's divine name, so that's why it changes. So Tet Vav is going to be sixteen. Tet Zayin is going to be seventeen, because instead of saying you know Yud Vav, which would precede the Yod Hey you're getting really close to the divine name. And so to keep that from happening, you'll see that it switches from Tet Vav to, instead of going Yod Dalit, Yod Hey for 14 and 15, it's going to go Yod Dalit, then Tet Vav. And then instead of saying Yod Vav for 16, it's actually going to say Tet Zayin. So, and then it'll keep going on from there. It'll go back to the Yod for like For 17, it would say Yod-Zayin. For 19, it would say Yod-Tet. So once you see that in your margin, you'll look in the line going from right to left and look and see if there are two dots on top of one another. If there are two dots on one another, the verse that you're looking at, say, for instance, if you're at Yod-Gimel, verse 13, you'd see Yod-Gimel in your margin You'd scan that line, look for two dots. After two dots, that's the beginning of Yod Gimel, which is verse 13. If you don't see any dots on top of each other in that line, then Yod Gimel starts at the first word in the column or in your uh, row. So you're going row by row by row and looking at your margins to see. And then you'll notice other words that are in your margin. You'll see like the word... um, Sheen Noon, Yod, which is Shani. And these are your Aliyots. So you'll see uh, Shlishi, you'll see Revi'i, Chami'shi, Shishi. And then uh, you'll also see a word that actually spells the word from Maftir, which is like a ending segment of the Torah portion going into the Haftarah. So the person who actually makes Aliyah, to read uh, the Haftarah, they'll read a few pieces of the Torah portion, which is called the Maftir, and then actually read into the Haftarah to actually connect the Torah portion to the Haftarah portion. Side note, if you haven't listened to the Haftarah GYS uh, series, um, Hasis Baz, which is another Avenger of ours, he brought down that the Uh, the Haftarah is basically the Torah portion concealed. So when you're looking at your uh, Haftarah portion, you'll notice that there are a whole lot of connections and ties back to the Torah portion. Like for instance, Parsha Naso, the Haftarah is about the birth of Shemshon. And so you'll learn about the Nazarite and uh, abstaining from wine and all of that. And, um, you know, that obviously ties back to the Nazarite vow that's in Parsha Naso. And so you can kind of see all these things and you can probably actually, if you studied the Haftar of Parsha Naso even more, you could probably make connections like say to the Sotah or to the Priestly Blessing and things like that. So anyway, so there's uh, some information there. So back to our Wellspring source, this is why the student is bringing up, I see two Yuds, And you know, it's like, where? And it's like, well, there's two dots at the end of the pasuk here, which pasuk is the way you say verse. Perik is the way you say chapter, some, lo- some more Hebrew for you. So at the end of the verse, the pasuk, he sees the two dots and the melamed, you know, the teacher student basically is like, well, that's not Hashem's name. So I didn't pronounce Hashem right there. And so the student's noticing this and he's saying, so why didn't you read it as Hashem's name? The Melamed replied, When two Yuds are next to each other, it's a Shem's name. But when one Yud is higher than the other, it is a Sof Pasuk, a separator between one Pasuk and the next one. Okay, so you got this picture here that if you're going to see two dots next to each other, or two Yuds next to each other, basically, not two dots, two Yuds, that this is a Shem's name. But if you see two dots on top of each other, you bring in this aspect of division and separation. Keep that in mind. It goes on to say, Rabbi David of Lelov said he learned from this when two Yidden, which are two Yodes, i.e. a Yidden or Yidden is the plural form of Yid, which is the which is the word that's Yiddish for a Jew. A Jew is a Yehudi, by the way. So if you want to say Jew in Hebrew, it's Yehudi. If you want to say Jew in Yiddish, you would say Yid. So it's important to know, too, as Avengers, by the way, we are to clear up common misconceptions because most people, when they think of a Jew, they don't ever think about people who are actually supposed to walk out the true intention and meaning of the word of God. Because Yehudi actually is all about casting praise and gratitude and thanksgiving to Hashem. And so one who is thankful to Hashem is a Yehudi. Thankfulness and gratitude to Hashem is the essence of Teshuvah. This is why Shaul HaShliach would say that this is the will of Hashem for us, is that we are thankful in all things. But anyway, so just to... Clear that up that if you are truly someone who is thankful to Hashem, you're a follower of His word to the best of your ability, you don't reject the oral Torah. You are truly striving to be converted if you haven't officially been converted, and or if you're awaiting a mikvah, if you're awaiting being circumcised, but if you've truly washed your garments, you've forsaken idolatry. Let's just make it that simple. You've forsaken idolatry, you are Shomer Shabbat, you are what's called a yid. Okay. So this is the true meaning of being a Jew. This is what Yeshua actually told us to go do to the nations. He said, go out to the nations and make Talmudim of them. When someone becomes a Talmud, they follow in the footsteps and the dust of their teacher. And when we're making people Talmudim, we're causing them to walk in the way in which we walk, which which way, Bezrat Hashem, should be the way of Mashiach, which I, which not Bezrat Hashem because Mashiach is literally the footsteps of Hashem. This is how the voice of Hashem walked in the garden in the cool of the day back in Parsha Bereshit. But when we look at the fact of us seeing Mashiach walking in everything that Hashem has commanded, you know, it's checking if speaks through him. He doesn't do his own thing. Hashem is the one who teaches him what to do and shows him what to do. And he just does it. Mashiach is a Talmud of Hashem. You know, just as our limbs are subjugated to our thoughts, so is Mashiach subjugated to Hashem. So, you know, if your arm is going to punch something, you know, you have to form a fist with your arm. You know, it has to come from your will. You have to make all your neurons fire and say, make a fist and punch, you know, same thing with Mashiach. So everything that Mashiach did was literally Hashem. It's Mashiach is the essence of Hashem in physical form because Hashem, you know, is ain't so, he's without end, so truly he has no physical form, you know, that would, you know, give us a reason to say, oh, you know, I see all of Hashem, it's like, so Hashem manifests in form, you know, so like the temple, the Mishkan, the spirit of God, the cloud, the Shekinah, Mashiach, the Torah, the letters of the Torah, so on and so forth. By the way, the entire Jewish nation, this is a manifestation of Hashem. If you didn't know, uh, three things have the name of Hashem the Torah, Israel, and Jerusalem. So there's that, that's also in Talmud. Uh, but anyway, just to keep going on here, so it says that we learn uh Rabbi David of Lelo said when two Yiddin, two Yodes feel equal. No one feels greater than the other. Hashem's name is there. But when one yid feels higher than the other, it is a separator and Hashem's name doesn't reside there. Okay. So I wanted to just throw my device after that because after reading that on my screen i felt like what just happened to me you know because where two or more are gathered in my name i am there mashiach saying you know i'm gonna bring the presence of hashem there you know because i'm the presence of hashem it's just like what are you serious so anyway this is why it's important as avengers to know the power of what we truly do when we avenge, we bring the presence of Hashem there. You know, this is why I was so off the tilit. You know, when Captain Israel and Incredible Talmud took the stage, I got to be a part of that. So thank you, bless Hashem. Uh, but overall, putting all three of us together looking back at the footage, it was probably the most intense platform drosh I've ever seen in my entire life. You know, and a 3 core strand isn't easily broken. You can just throw that in there. But just looking at Hashem's presence was like emphatic. You know, rabbis... Sure, or Rabbi's um, insights, Hidush, that's the word I'm looking for. Rabbi's Hidush, his drop, his teaching, his insight from that section of the Yom Tov service was on a whole nother level. His, every single drash Rabbi is doing, even the Aliyah date, they're all on a whole nother level, but that it was just kind of like, whoa! You know, and then he's like, alright Shomer man, tag. And I'm like, really? I'm going to follow up after that? But then I realized, no, we're avenging. There is no following up. I'm going to go beside him. And then after I got done, I was like, you know what? I'm tagging in the big man. You know, Incredible Talent, get yourself on up here. And man. I was just like, oh, my gosh, I couldn't even contain myself. First, I was hyped up off Mountain Dew because when I got down, my nerves were just going because I just felt like when I walked up there from the time I opened my Bible, I felt like letters and numbers were flying at me like Neo and Trinity when they stepped into the Matrix and they needed guns from the armory. You know, it was just kind of like all these rows and racks were just coming at him. And he was just like, okay. I think there's enough here for artillery, so I guess I will just take this one and that one. You know, I kind of felt like that was going on. I was like, oh my gosh, like never felt that. If I was droshing by myself, I guarantee you that would not have happened. So, anyway, so this makes me think of a whole bunch of insights. So, the first thing I want to go to, you know what? I want to I want to start here because this is probably the most mystical. Uh, this is actually coming from Yokenon, uh, from Yokenon chapter one, verse 18. It says this, no one has ever seen God, but the one and only son who himself, God, who is himself, God. Okay. Okay. Stop. Stop. Hold up. Wait a minute. OK, Yolkanon 118. No one has ever seen God. OK, because he's ain't so right. He does have an image. We just can't make it. And his image is his manifestations. OK, so we got that. Right. So this is the beautiful thing about the facets of Torah. Torah is truly a diamond. And when you look at a diamond, it has facets. So you spin it, the light hits it and it, you know, it makes all these different, you know, bounces off and you see this, you see that, you know, so Hashem doesn't have an image. So spin it. So if Hashem doesn't have an image, how can we see him? It means he does have some way to be perceived. And this is why we say Hashem has many manifestations that are without end. Okay. So anyway, here's Yochanan 118 bringing out a facet of that insight. Torah is likened to a diamond having, or being, or likened to a diamond. Furthermore, Torah has 70 faces as it's also brought down. 70 faces mean 70 different ways to interpret it. This is why Yeshua would ask, what does the law say and how do you interpret it? Because there's a way to interpret it, but You want to make sure that you're following the principles of interpretation, which are in our Siddur. It teaches us about the principles of interpretation. And so going on from there, you know, you have to make sure you're rightly dividing the word of God, you know, right? Because if you don't rightly divide the word of God, you end up desecrating it. But anyway, I digress. So back to Yochanan 118. I just I'm blue screen. I'm going to keep going, though. This is like in the first Iron Man movie when I flew straight into the air. Yes, when I did this, I flew straight into the air and then I iced up and then everything froze up and it was like, I'm falling. And then all of a sudden, you know, you have to crack the ice and then just before I hit the ground, I take off again. Anyway, got to solve the icing problem when it comes to tour, won't be able to solve the icing problem because sometimes you're just going to run into stuff that you just you're just like, I, I just don't know. Just Wow you know like for here's here's the biggest icing problem I have right now kind of been looking at this um and obviously there's no way to come to an absolute conclusion which another thing about Judaism there is no absolutely conclusive thing I brought this down a while back when I was talking about the letter mem and it was talking about how all the halakhic uh, insights and interpretations are brought down. But we won't really know what the true Halakha is until Eliyahu Hanavi returns. Because he's the one who's going to set all the halakha right. He's going to be able to uh, return Shmika to our people so that we can reestablish the Sanhedrin and rebuild the Beit HaMikdash and all of that kind of stuff. Because Eliyahu precedes the return of Mashiach. When Mashiach returns, the temple will be rebuilt, will be gathered into Eretz Israel, and all of that beautifulness. So, all of that to say, uh, trying to come to a conclusive thing is not uh, possible. So, what we need to make sure, though, is that there's a source and that there's a connection, you know, uh, one of the things, because as we grow in our Torah study, we'll find out that we'll actually be able to expound upon some things, you know, the mighty hover, he calls them Menashe-isms, when he comes up with things, he's like, you know, this is just me talking, this is just Menashe talking, and then he'll share something, and it's like, well, What I'm hearing you say actually sounds like this precedent over here. So when you really combine what you said with that precedent, you know, and put those together, then, you know, that actually makes a whole lot of sense. Not because you're MSU in it, but because it's actually connected and it's not negating the Torah and it's coming from a place of the spirit of Hashem. Because when we interpret Torah, we want to make sure that we are in the spirit of Hashem, that we are not trying to nullify, that we're not trying to, uh, get rid of it, you know, or anything like that, but that we're really seeking to connect with Hashem. And when we do that, Hashem, just like you plug in your charger, the, 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 um, what am I calling this? The, uh, wow. Wow. Ba, ba, da, ba, the electricity, the, yeah, the power is going to enter into your little cord there and it's going to power you up. So you're like plugging into an outlet when you're doing that with a shem. This is why we dive in before we a study. This is why we maintain unity while we a study. And so that's another thing. But anyway, so, uh, so back to the icing problem is that, when Yaakov Avinu, Yaakov our forefather, wrestles with the angel that he says he saw the face of God, but yet commentaries bring down that this was the angel of Asaph, which really is the Yetzer Hara, which really is Hasatan, and so it's just kind of like, but how could this be the face of God, and how could Yaakov asked him for a blessing and all of that. Well, as far as I've gotten on this, is when you look at the guardian angels that we have, this is brought down in the Siddur on the Shalom Alekim Malakey it. Come on, get you some Malakey it, You know, kind of going on. But anyway. In that insight on the Shalom Aleikum Bracha in the Siddur talks about two angels that accompany I'm going to go ahead and use the Yiddish word the yid home and it says that if everything is set and right for the Shabbat the the angel that is the persecuting angel has to say amen may it be like this next week and the good angels like amen that's right it's going to be like this next week but if the Yid comes home, Shabbat's not set up, and everything is all in disarray, then the bad angel is going to say, You know what? May it be like this. Amen. And the good angel is going to have to submit to the bad angel and say, Amen. So there's this whole concept of the submission actually to the Yetzer Hara or to the Yetzer Hatov. And so when Yaakov is wrestling with this angel of Asaph, he's actually wrestling with the bad angel of Asaph, and it becomes the face of Hashem when he wrestles it into submission for godliness, because the whole picture here is Yaakov becoming Yisrael. Yisrael is about striving with man and striving with spiritual principalities, i.e. Hashem himself even, you know, like we can wrestle God into submission, so to speak, through our prayers and our davening, our teshuva, you know, should we merit it. But Yaakov Avinu, a whole nother level. I mean, his face is etched into the throne of Hashem, for crying out loud. Is any of our faces there? So obviously, no. But anyway, (laughs) uh, so yeah, so he... Receives the name Yisrael because he literally reached that level. He literally got on that level He what got on that level what what anyway? So he got on that level to the point where with this angel He's able to be like look. I'm the good angel. You're the bad angel right now I'm gonna need you to submit to my dominion because I will be a person who overcomes darkness with good with light with truth just like when I meet my brother, I'm going to overcome his evil, his anger, his hatred through the help of Hashem and through the hand of Hashem. So this is why Yaakov did not let go. And he says, I won't let go until you bless me. I.e., I won't let go until you say I mean, which uh, if you connect all the dots later when him and Esav meet, Esav's countenance changes towards Yaakov because he set out actually to kill, you know, Yaakov. But After this battle that preceded this encounter, you know, he actually... Was like, oh man, you know, kissing him, hugging him. Was like, oh, this is your family, so beautiful, you know. Hey, let's party, let's celebrate. Come with me, you know. Y'all go ahead of me, and all of this kind of stuff. And Yako was like, <laughs> no, that's okay. We're gonna go over here and go to Sukho. You can go to Sarah. You can, you can, ex- you can enjoy, you know, uh, your reward in this world. I'm gonna go for my reward in the world to come. And it's just like, okay, all right, cool. Well, we'll catch up to you. All right, cool. But wait, wait. If you think about it, if we're heading on to Sukkot while Asaph, quote unquote, is heading to just Yom Kippur, all the atonement stuff and get your reward now and don't worry about later, if you're even thinking about later, it's just like, so if you're going to catch up to that, how do you catch up to this world if you're focused on the world to come? Well, see, the beauty of that is that's the Geula because this world will become the next world. When it's transformed at the final redemption. But anyway, my point was that Yaakov wrestles this angel into submission and it has to say Amen. It has to now go into godliness, the same way that our very prosecutor on the Day of Atonement has to say, You know what, Hashem, may Israel be blessed, you know, because they have no sin because of the Azazel goat because of our fasting, because of all the atonements that are happening and all of that kind of stuff, because of our teshuva, should we merit all these things, then the prosecuting angel becomes an advocate for us. So we learned that in the Yom Kippur Mach which was ridiculous. And so just a picture of that happens, you know, every Friday night for Shabbat, obviously this happened in that Torah portion with Yaakov wrestling the angel. So anyway, Not that that's a conclusive thing, but that just kind of gave me a few more things so I could fly a little higher without icing up now. Not that I can go any higher than that because the ice will come back and then I'll fall again. But anyway, just want to throw that out there. So, Yokanon 118, 30 minutes later. No, Yokanon 118, two hours later. Anyway, I just had to throw that in there. That's so funny to me. I didn't know people knew about that. Hopefully, if you're listening to this podcast, which I hope you are, even though it has a crazy title. But uh yeah, we're not in La La Land. We're causing La La Land to happen because the whole world could use some La La Land right now. And, you know, by golly, let's make it happen. If you don't got Simca now, you ain't going to be able to have it later. You know, that's also in Toro Will Springs. If you can't be joyous during the week of Sukkot, I'm paraphrasing it, but this is pretty much the conclusion. If you can't be joyous during Sukkot, you ain't going to be joyous throughout the year. Obviously, there's a a loophole there because anytime you make Teshuva, you can obviously undo things and change nature and stuff. So anyway, but imagine you take the joy that you can have now and use this with Teshuva and the joy that you can continue to exponentially increase throughout the year go from that. You know, it's like, where, where do you want your baseline to be? Where, do you want your baseline of joy to be during the most hardest, like most ridiculous time? You kind of feel like, man, I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm living outside. I'm sleeping outside. It's cold. It's rainy. It's hot. And mosquitoes, bugs, spiders, ants, flies, get away from my burger. You know, I'm trying to chill in the suka, you know, and all that. And it's like, where's my stuff? because I have outdoor, you know, stuff that I'm supposed to be doing and it's like my chair is sinking into the ground or, you know, man, my, my suka blew over. And like, you can have joy through all of those circumstances. It's like, that's gonna be your baseline for the year ahead of you. And then on top of what have you been thinking about while you're in your suka, that creates the framework for your year. You turn your year in a sense, into literally your sukkah. Your sukkah extends out into your years, how it's put in the commentaries. So anyway, just to point that out. So let's make the world into La La Land because we say, Shir HaMalo Beshuv Night, right? And if you read in that bracha, the first Sehalim 126 that we're singing, it says, we will be like dreamers when we come from the exile into the final geulah. So guess what? When you're dreaming, you can take control. Funny note, I had a dream about these weird, like, uh, faceless, giant looking things that were like very violent and like um, basically, for lack of a term, killing people. And it was like in field and they came up in like little armies and they were just like going around with like these sharp sickle knives looking thing. And I'm like, what in the world? And I'm trying to fight back and somehow Blade, like the Wesley Snipes Blade from like the early 2000s shows up. And he's like bad and he's like trying to hurt me and all this kind of stuff. And I'm like, what is the deal? And I'm like trying to think like I know how to fight I've watched plenty of martial arts movies, too. So let me try to think about some of those fight scenes and think myself into stuff. And then I was like, wait a minute. I'm Shomer, man. I can suit up. And first of all, they're going to have a hard time trying to stab me. So obviously, I realized that and I suited up and I blew up the place and got rid of all the stuff and saved everybody. So anyway... That's that's what dreaming is like. So literally this exile is our opportunity to do that. You know, for instance, we think right now energy is electricity, right? Well, there are literally things that we are not even aware of that are forms of energy that don't use electricity and it's perpetual. It literally fuels itself without using any fuel. Uh so like there's a whole way to have perpetual energy without using energy basically is what I'm saying. Now, what that looks like that's been completely hidden and covered up and you know, powers to be don't want us to find that. But that exists in our day and in our time and it has existed in previous times. So what I'm getting at Is the power of avenging brings that element of the redemption at play that we can cause a dark world, a crazy chaotic world, to actually become a world of shalom, to actually become a world of love, to actually become a world of light, receptivity of Torah? Now, darkness is going to push back, obviously, but you know, it wouldn't be a fair fight if they didn't, you know? Like, if all the Avengers, if all the Avengers in the Endgame movie showed up, and Thanos and his army just, like, fell down, then that wouldn't have been exciting. But the fact that, you know, Thanos and his army was willing to fight back, you know, that made for a really awesome battle, you know? So, pull out all the stops, which we're gonna tab on that, pull out all the stops, because, Hashem, that's the indexing of this podcast. Um, so yeah. So back to Yochanan 118, four hours later. Okay. It says no one has ever seen God, but the unique one who is himself, God, literally the unique one is Yahid, you know, the one and only begotten. Yeah. That one, that word, which is what Yitak was called and what is Mashiach called in uh, Tehillim too? But anyway, the unique one who is himself God is near to the Father's heart. He has revealed God to us, i.e. the Torah, the Spirit, the Shekinah, you know, the whole Yisrael, all of Yisrael together, kol echad, when we're all united, i.e. when we're avenging together, We'll be close to the Father's heart. We will be able to explain God, not completely, obviously. And then we're going to be able to uh, manifest Hashem in the world. So there's that. The other thing Yokanan writes, like he just, this is so uncalled for, but in his letter... Uh, he wrote in the first letter in chapter four, verse 12. So first John four twelve, no one has ever seen God, but, okay. What does but mean? Okay. So whatever you've just heard, we're going to switch it up. Okay. So no one's ever seen God, but if we love one another, God remains in us and his love is perfected in us. So in other words, seeing God looks like avenging, looks like two yodes next to each other. No one considers themselves greater than another person, but equal, if not lower than the other. One who inspires his fellow Yehudi to greatness, you know, a avenger who realizes, man, I can kill it on Gematria, but not so much when it comes to Mishnah not so much when it comes to Halakha, not so much when it comes to Midrash. I'm gonna tag right now, you know? And furthermore, when my fellow Avenger tags, I'm gonna be all ears. I'm gonna make sure, you know, that I'm hearing what they're saying, that I've put my ego aside, that, you know, I'm encouraging them to be close to Hashem. I'm encouraging them to source things out. And I am not arguing with them. This is the other thing. Oh my gosh. Imagine when the Avengers are fighting Thanos' army. What if Spider-Man got upset with Valkyrie? Like, first of all, he would have got blown up by the ship because Valkyrie saved him from flying through the air, you know, on the hammer that Captain threw. But if he would have argued with her, that would have just completely, you know, just ruined everything. Gauntlet would have got caught by Thanos somehow, because that's just how it would have gone, you know, just making up stuff. Anyway, it's just like, how did he catch it? He wasn't even nowhere near. It's just like, well, Spider-Man and Valkyrie was arguing, so that's what happened. But anyway, this is the same thing that happens if a group of Avengers get together and argue. You just you just ruin it. You just ruin everything. You might as well just say the closing bracha and hope for Teshuva just to set in, because it's terrible. So always got to seek Echad, always got to seek Hashem, okay? Anyway, so Hashem's image looks like people who esteem one another, who are Echad, who has Torah observance perfected in us. Because when we are Torah observant, which is the word Shomer, by the way, Shomer Mitzvah Torah observance. That's what Yeshua said love of God is. Yochanan chapter 14, he says that if you love me, you will keep my commandments. Love is keeping the commandments. Hatred is disobedience to commandments. So, yeah, uh, basically, just to source this out. If you love me... Uh, you will keep my commandments. Uh, That is Yocanon 14, 15. I wanted to say that, but I want to just source it out and make sure. Also, you should know that Yocanon 15, 10 says, if you keep my commandments, you will remain in my love. So there's one thing that our love towards Hashem looks like being obedient to Him but then Hashem's love towards us looks like the result of our obedience. So did you know, because you keep the Shabbat, Hashem extends love to you by, you know, I don't know, giving you just a, a beautiful insight while you're praying or, you know, causes your meal that should have been gross to taste amazing. By the way, been a part of that. You know, there it's like there's no way this food is going to be good. Like it, it was super dry. It was overcooked. It got burnt or something like that. And, you know, it's just, I really didn't have time. So I kind of threw this together. Sorry, Hashem. I didn't mean to do it. I should have been more, you know, aware of my schedule during the week and had time to plan. But yet this is all I got, but at least I'm keeping Shabbat. I'm sorry. You know, and you're just all sobbed up about it. And then all of a sudden you bite into it. You're like, this is the best meal of my life. <laughs> I know anybody don't know anything about that. So anyway, I'll move on. So those are some things that came to my mind when I thought about avenging. And obviously this from Mashiach Yeshua, 13 1334, a new command I give you, a new commandment, which, by the way, the word is hadasha So I'm going to renew the mitzvah. I'm going to read in this mitzvah. OK, this is what it looks like. That you have love for one another as I have had love for you, so also you should have love for one another. Which by the way is the inner dimension of Vikra nineteen eighteen, and it says, You shall not avenge nor bear any grudge against the children of your people, but they ahaptala reka kamoka. But you shall love your neighbor as you love yourself. This is the, the commandment Yeshua gave us because he said, look at everything that I've done. Look at what I'm doing and look at what I'm going to do. Furthermore, look from the beginning bet to the last Lamed of the Torah scroll, because that's me too, by the way. See how I have loved you. Do that for somebody else. Become a Torah scroll to somebody. Become a Yeshua to somebody someone who doesn't deserve it, someone who is far away from the truth, someone who is far into darkness, someone who could care less about spiritual things. Be a Torah to them. Be a Yeshua to them. This is the command I give you. And you'll find out, by the way, when you do that, you'll actually end up loving God because connect all the dots to this whole entire part podcast that when you have love for someone else, you cause your yod and their yod to become side by side and you form the divine name of Hashem. Where two or more are gathered in my name, there I am also. So there's that. So now to, uh, to finish out this podcast I want to go to Torah Wellsprings page 49. I'm telling you this thing is so stacked. Okay, I thought it was like 20 some pages, but page 49, it's actually 50 57 pages long. Good night. Okay, but anyway, I'm on page 49. And I thought about why do why do this podcast? Why do Avenger Initiative and why you know, reach out to people to really, you know, inspire and encourage because Hoshana Rabbah is coming up. So here's what it says it says this The Gemara tells us that after one's demise, i.e., when we die, he will be asked, "Zefit Lishua, which is, Did you wait for the salvation? Did you wait for Mashiach? Side note, in this very insight, it literally says, did you wait for Yeshua? And then it's putting in parentheses, i.e. Did you wait for Mashiach? Connect the dots. Yeshua is Mashiach. It's right here. It is just like, did you wait for the salvation? Parentheses for Mashiach. And the Hebrew says, Zephit Lishua. Like, did you wait for salvation? Did you wait for the Mashiach? M- Yeshua is Mashiach. Mashiach is Yeshua, which is Yeshua is salvation. Yeshua is Mashiach. Like, I don't know. I just keep wanting to circle around that, like, talk speed. <sighs> okay, so I'm going to try to keep going. It says the Imre Emes of Gur, may his memory be for a blessing said that the question also means, did you wait for Yeshua, which is Hoshana Rabbah? Goodness. Okay. Yolking chapter seven, it's just, oh my gosh. Yeshua is on the last and greatest day of the feast, which the feast is Sukkot. The feast is a Hebrew idiom for Sukkot. Just like abolish Torah is an idiom for uh, misinterpret the Torah. Fulfill Torah is an idiom for rightly interpret the Torah. Hashanah Rabbah is apparently an idiom for Yeshua. I just... Salvation, basically. The last and greatest day of the festival. This is Yeshua Day. This is Salvation Day. So this whole thing about Jews getting saved... If they celebrate Sukkot, they kind of get a lot of saved, like eight times over. And if that wasn't enough on Yom Kippur, they got saved. And then if that wasn't enough, if they were preparing to build their sukkah and they actually built their sukkah, then they got saved because the preparation days between Yom Kippur to Sukkot are likened to days of salvation and atonement. And then if that wasn't enough during the 10 days of repentance, the 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 whole the high holy days, the Yamim Norim, the 10 days of Shuvah, the days of repentance. Uh, the days of repentance, uh, they got saved during that time because they were crying out to Hashem if they actually observed that. If that didn't work, then on uh, Rosh Hashanah, the first and second day, they got saved because all the prayers for salvation and atonement, hearing the voice of Hashem and hearkening to his voice, crowning him as king, they got saved. If that wasn't enough, then on the month of Elul, they were doing all kind of teshuva, reading Psalms 27, Hashem, you're my light, you're my salvation, whom shall I fear? Like that was that, you know, if that wasn't enough, then they also got saved during the whole time frame from Tuba Av, the fifteenth of Av, to the month of Elul, because the whole thing about renewing uh, our our service and our mindset towards Hashem after the destruction of the temple, you know, after the golden calf and all of those things that happened during the three weeks. If that wasn't enough, you know, even during Tisha B'Av we got saved because we were in sackcloth and ashes. We realized Hashem, we broke your Torah. Now we're gonna keep it, and now we're gonna build. We're determined to rebuild. We're fasting, we're crying, you know, and we're together, we're echad, we're not fighting, you know, should I go on? I shouldn't, because I don't, I don't have time, but anyway, I normally do three-hour podcasts, you would say, of course you have time, but, you know, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna try to do better, it's 5780, anyway, Uh. so anyway, did you wait for Yeshua, i.e. for Mashiach, did you wait for Yeshua, i.e. Hashanah Rabbah? Which, by the way, this is the seventh day of Pesach. This is the final day to sit in your sukkah. Literally, at some point after Minka and all that kind of stuff, you'll say farewell to your sukkah before sundown. So there's a prayer for farewell to the sukkah. And because you make that bracha your home, your house now becomes your sukkah for the rest of the year. Yep, they brought that down in Torah Will Springs. Like, that was uncalled for. But anyway... So if you want to be in Sukkot all year, say your farewell to your Sukkah braka and your Sukkah becomes your house. So you, you go back to living inside and sleeping in your own bed, not on the ground and in bugs. And Hashem is like, well, you're still in your Sukkah to me, so I'm going to continue to manifest my shekinah around you. OK, anyway, this is why the Mishkan eventually became the Beit HaMikdash. And eventually will become, you know, the new Jerusalem, Because that's just the progression. But anyway, I digress. It says, so the day when Hashem bestows, get this, Yeshuot salvations with an S on the Jewish nation. We don't get saved. We get saved with a Z. We get saved. So if anybody comes up to you, he goes, are you a believer? Are you saved? If you die, are you going to go to Gehenna, or are you going to go to go to heaven? You know, and it's just like, well, I'm I'm currently exponentially saved. So I think my answer is yes to your question. And it's like, but I asked you a either or question. So how's your answer? Yes, is because 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 you don't understand what you're asking I really don't understand what you're asking because you're asking me from the premise of a foundation outside of Torah, which if your house is built on a foundation other than the rock, I thought when storms and wind comes, it's like building your house on sand, which means it's going to greatly collapse which, by the way, is what's going to happen to the church. It's going to greatly collapse because it's teaching the Bible from a non-Torah position. So the collapsing Bezrat Hashem looks like a rebuilding, which is getting back on the rock, getting back on the foundation, moving from Sunday to Shabbat and starting to praise the Lord, Hashem, our God, King of the universe, and celebrate the Shabbat to the fullest and start keeping the festivals that we see in Leviticus chapter 23 that's what I hope the collapse of the church looks like. But anyway, I digress. I mean, I'm just dreaming big, you know, but anyway, so the day of Yeshua, the Hoshana Rabbah is a day of salvations for the Jewish nation. Says Rosh Hashanah passed. So did Yom Kippur and most of Sukkot. At this point, many people feel that they've accomplished what they could, and don't feel that it's important to put effort into the final days of the Yamim Noraim, which is the, the great awesome days of the days of all. Notice the days of awe was called Rosh Hashanah to Yom Kippur earlier, right? But now it's saying, well, the days of all are going to come to an end with Hoshana Rabbah into Simchat Torah, Shemini Atzeret Shemini Atzeret slash Simchat Torah. Celebrate it separately if you're in the diaspora, but if you follow the Israeli calendar, it's actually the same day. So at Sar Shalom Lapid Judaism, we follow it, the Israeli calendar. So get you some of that. Anyway, so the Yamim Nareem are not just 10 days, it's actually 22 days. There's that which would correspond to the Yod because the Yod is 10, but then the Aleph Tav, which is 22. And then Aleph Tav itself is 401. 401, if you add four plus zero plus one is five. Five is hay, hay is um, the five books of Torah, the spirit of Hashem, and all of that. Just because I have this available... I want to look at what the gematria of 401 is. Let's see. I thought I had my little gematria calculator open. But it is now. Okay, 401. Let's look at that. Gematria 401. So this would be a barrel roll. I forgot to tell you. Barrel roll, everybody. Um, Uvain Hachoshek. And between the darkness, okay, another one. Karayamin, calling the days. Uh, yeah. So, what do you call the day, and what's between the darkness? So there's that. Um What else we got? Just looking through. Ose Adonai. Wow. <laughs> The work of Adonai is the Olive Tav. Are you kidding me? This is ridiculous. Uh, Now I'm just playing around. Uh, Let's see. Bear Sheet 310. Let's look at that. Bear Sheet 310. Because it has this word. No, not Bear Sheet 30. Don't get all excited. Three, ten. It has this word with anoki. And remember, anoki is the acronym I wrote myself down and gave it to you. And it says, uh, er, erom anoki. Erom is the word for nakedness. So nakedness here is talking about, okay, what Adam and Hava noticed when they lost their light. So taking all of the uh, concealments off of the uno' key is the Aleph Tav. So in other words, what is not visible is made visible through the Aleph Tav. The root word of uh, Erum or Erum is Ur, which means exposed or bare, i.e. like the skin. Remember I told you we had Aleph Vav Resh skin, or, which was light. And then when we lost that light, it became Ayin Vav Resh skin, well, this is what happens to the Aleph Tav. The Aleph Tav becomes skin, if you will. This is why we write the Torah on skin, because this is Hashem being made bare. This is probably why circumcision is a thing, you know, to uh, to remove the foreskin and while we wait for a tree to bear fruit in a fourth and fifth year before we can partake of it, before we can reveal it, other than that, it's literally called uncircumcised. A tree for the first three years is called uncircumcised. And men are like trees. So take that, you know, when you're thinking about how long you've been Torah observant. If you're in your first three years, you're technically, quote unquote, uncircumcised and in one sense of a matter, not overall, but just saying as far as going with the law of the tree and how you don't really partake of the fruit yet. Something might grow and that's beautiful, but you want to wait till your fourth year, present yourself to a shem, and then on the fifth year, you can go out and beyond. Which, by the way, looking at that principle, just as a heads up for this podcast, because you know, some of you may think, oh, Matt's been on podcasts since, you know, um, the last part of, um, uh, what was it? I think I started back in like, uh, oh, I can just look at it. I always, I always forget that I can like look at my stuff cause you know, I'm showman. Man. Oh, Tazria. So Tazria back in 2018 was my first anchor podcast. But before that, a year and a half before I was on, um, Parashah, uh, Mishpatim was my first ever podcast and it was called Parsha Dose, like literally a dose of the Torah portion, you know? And, um, you know, so that's looking like 2016. So I became Torah observant back in 2013 You know, so from 2013 to 2016, you know, I was Orla, and apparently around 2016 into 2017, at some point during that whole phase is when I began to really start to, you know, release things and study. So that would line me up at about into the fourth year, actually getting something cohesive, which was the last part of me being on SoundCloud before I transitioned Onto to Anchor, which makes the 2018 year technically like my fourth year. And now, you know, 2018 to 2019, this is like fifth year. So everything's just really unfolding and coming out. So that's a loose, uh, kind of picture of where I am with everything. So from 2013 to 2019. And actually, I would even extend back into 2012 because my first year, I'm going to use giant quotations on this, was my Torah observance based off of reading the Bible because I found the Orthodox Jewish Bible and it has the feast all lined out in the back talks about Tish B'Av, talks about 17th of Tammuz, it talks about Rosh Hashanah and all that. So I did a full year of the holidays by reading about them. Even before I ever went to a synagogue or read or listened to any rabbi teach, you know, And then I met my first Jewish person, and then I met my second Jewish person. Both of them so happened to believe Yeshua as the Mashiach, or they, let's put this the right way, they Kabbal Mashiach Yeshua. So they were were people who have received Mashiach Yeshua, you know, as, you know, Mashiach, as deliverer. So, you know, anyway, so as the Zadik who will attach us and connect us to Hashem, who is a consuming fire. But anyway. So that's kind of like my little timeline. And so literally me making these podcasts isn't just something out of the blue. It isn't just something I shoot from the hip. Um, I study, 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 source everything out, codify it. And then when it comes to the podcast, if I share something that I haven't, you know, compiled in my notes, I know the source of it and I can go back to it with the help of a shim. So not bragging, but just qualifying. So... You know, I I, I am Shomer man, and it's not a joke. So, (laughs) you know, Baruch Hashem. So anyway, what was I doing? Oh, yeah, I was talking about the Aleph Tav being the skin. Okay, the skin of Hashem, that is. So is it any wonder that Mashiach Yeshua became flesh and dwelt among us because the Aleph Tav did that? So back to talking about Hoshana Rabbah. I don't know how I swerved way off over here. But anyway, it's talking about salvations and everything that happened on Hashanah Rabbah. So Rosh Hashanah passed, Yom Kippur passed, Moses Sukkot. At this point, people feel that they, by the way, this is Torah Springs on Sukkot for 5780. That's where I'm reading this from. I can send you a copy of this 59 page document. Just send me a voice note or send me an email again. Sleeker, uh, a 150 at iCloud.com. Anyway, all right, says so, so. Most people at this point feel that they've accomplished what they could, and they don't feel it's important to put effort into the final days of the Yamim nora'im. Sometimes people are discouraged because they feel they didn't fully take advantage of the holy days with Teshuvah, Tefillah, and Torah, and they aren't ready to start now. Yikes. But that may may exist for some people. says, Chazal say, Zefit Lishua? Did you wait for Mashiach? Did you wait for Hashanah Rabbah? i.e. did you look forward to Mashiach? It says, did you look forward to Hashanah Rabbah? Don't let it pass by without sincere, tefillot, teshuva, and zadaka, because we can gain so much on this day. You know those video games where you can be like playing and it's like, for instance, like Sonic the Hedgehog. I don't know. I'm stuck on Sonic the Hedgehog this week. But Sonic the Hedgehog, you're going through, you're grabbing rings and everything, right? And then all of a sudden there's a bonus and like you jump up and hit that bonus. And instead of getting one ring, it's like 500 rings. And then you get all the rewards for that and all that kind of stuff. This is what Hashanah Rabai is. This is the day you really want to max it out. You feel like, oh my gosh, I'm so tired. Like... I've done so much. I've cooked like 18,000 meals for one day because of Hoshana Rabbah, the Arab of Shemini Ad-Zeret. And then I got Shemini Adzeret Oneg. Then I got the Havdalah. I got third meals. I got like stuff after Havdalah. Then I got to go back to work. Like I am done. Oh my gosh. And it's like, man, if I could only have superhero powers, if I could only have Shuva hero powers, it's like, well. Here it is. Become a Avenger. Let the power flow. Did you know names are conduits of divine energy that flow down into the physical manifestation of your being? This is why when you change your name as a Hebrew person, your life changes, your destiny, if you will, changes. When you become a Avenger, your mentality, your psyche, your, your whole entire being changes. You begin to take on, you know, Torah and insights on a whole nother level. So, I just want to encourage you with that. And by the way, I call us Shuva heroes because literally one man's teshuva has the power to save the whole world, as it says in Rosh Hashanah, uh, in the Talmud, the Rosh Hashanah tractate. And obviously... Uh, no one's done that except Mashiach, as sources go on to continue to say, but I digress. However, that doesn't mean that our teshuva has no effect, but literally any teshuva that we make, we create more order into the world. We can cause natural disasters to be averted because of the level of teshuva that we make. The more we do, literally, it says filot prayer. The more you pray with sincerity and intensity, the more you pay attention to those halakhic times. When is the appropriate time for Shakarit? When is the appropriate time for Minka? When is the appropriate time for Ma'ariv? You know, all these kind of things. When is the latest time to say the Shema for the morning blessing? When you start refining yourself to that level, That power, that influx goes out literally into the cosmos. And you cause more joy, more light, more la la land effect, if you will, to come into the world. More teshuva, the more you go, oh my gosh, I messed up. I can't believe I did that. I am so sorry. I am changing my ways. I am not going to do that again here's my plan to not do that again. Like here's some steps that I'm practically taking so that this doesn't happen again. Or when you have been so just ego driven and you go, oh my gosh, you know, tears, broken heart. And you're like, I'm so sorry. I can't believe I was a jerk. You know, all that kind of stuff. Then your monies, you start giving your monies away. Hashem, you know what? I want to bless somebody who is, you know, less fortunate than I am. I'm going to buy them a, a Sefer Torah. Like, I'm going to buy them a Rashi. I'm going to buy them a Humash. I'm going to buy somebody a Talit. I'm going to buy somebody's Tafilin. I'm going to buy somebody Sadur. Or I'm going to give to the mikvah, Or I'm going to pay my tithe. You know, even if you go just at that level. Just by paying your tithe. You know, because these are all levels of Zadaka, by the way. Zadaka, too. Like, obviously, you have a Zadaka box, you can collect coins, and you know, and once they build up for like Purim, you can go out and buy something for somebody who's less fortunate that you know in the shul, pay somebody's light bill or whatever, however much the money is. Those things are called Zadaka. So, doing all these things, especially on Hashanah Rabbah. Doing one of these things, some of these things, all of these things. And by the way, because we're Avengers, we'll all be considered as one. So if like 20,000 of us are doing this on the same day, I'm talking, we're talking serious firepower here. But anyway, not that I'm trying to encourage anybody to increase firepower, (laughs) just saying. But it says on this Hoshana Rabbah, don't let it pass by without sincere tefillot, teshuva and zadaka. Because we can gain so much on this day. In other words, this is the gold medal day. Make it happen, Captain. All right. So it says, here's here's where I want to kind of close it. It says the Dubano or the Dubno Magid, may his memory be blessed, tells a Mashal. It says there were two neighboring countries that were fighting over a city located on a border. Each country claimed, oh, by the way, I should say a Mashal is a parable. Obviously, Yeshua taught parables all the time, right? So we brought down our point, bring up this parable. Okay, start over. There were two neighboring countries that were fighting over a city located on the border. Each country claimed that the city was theirs. Many wars were fought over the city. Sometimes one country won, the other times the other country won after many years of fighting, they decided that each country would send forth their greatest warrior. These two powerful people would wrestle each other near a pit. This is where they got that, that idea in Wakanda, um, or as we should say, Jukanda where, uh, you know, T'Challa was fighting, you know, um, to, to get the black Panther rights, you know, they're on that waterfall next to a giant cliff. You know, it's like these two great warriors, they're going to fight next to a pit. Anyway, back to the parable. Sleek out, back to the Mashal. Now that we know what a parable is, the Mashal continues. The one who throws his opponent into the pit wins the battle and the city would forever belong to his country. People of both countries came to watch the great battle. The battle started some distance from the pit. At first, it seemed like one warrior would win. His countrymen cheered him on while the people of this other country lamented as it seemed clear that they would lose. They watched as the warrior pulled and dragged his opponent all the way to the pit. But suddenly... The other warrior overpowered his opponent and threw him to the ground and into the pit. At the victory celebration, the king said to the warrior. It appeared at first that your opponent was stronger than you. It was certain that you would lose. How did you end up winning? The answer, I won because at the beginning of the match, I let him drag me. I was waiting for my opponent to become tired and weak. Oh, this is where Rocky got it from. (laughs) Anyway, I digress. And this was and then I was able to overpower him easily. The neem shawl is what the takeaway from this parable is. So a mushal has a neem shawl, and a neem shawl is the takeaway. Sometimes the Yatzahara allows us to win a battle or two. And then when an essential and important battle comes around, we are already weakened and don't have the stamina to fight. We assume that since we won so many wars until now, that it doesn't matter so much if we fall this round. We don't realize that everything depends on this battle. And if we lose it, we lose everything. Inserts, this is where Captain Yisrael says, you know, if you ever feel tempted to sin, just ask yourself the question: Is it worth losing everything? Back to the insight. It says the lesson is related to Hashanah Rabbah. Many people feel they fought so many wars that the Yetza with the Yetzirah already, since the new year began. Rosh Hashanah passed, and so did Yom Kippur. On those days, people did whatever they could to improve their ways. And daven with Kavana, with like serious focus intent. During Sukkot, they also served Hashem to the best of their ability. Now they think that they can let Hashanah Rabbah pass by without special attention and effort. But Hashanah Rabbah is, from the climaxes of the days that we can earn the greatest salvations. But Hashanah Rabbah is, from the climaxes of the days, that we can earn the greatest salvations. We must be vigilant and continue our battle with the Yatsahara on this day too. I just got to keep reading. It says, concerning Yom Kippur, it says, "Ach, uh, Ba'asur Chodesh Hashvi'i, the word Eik means even. The Meshech Chokmah explains that a person may think that Yom Kippur is only a holiday for those who did Teshuvah during the 10 days of Teshuvah. But if one didn't do Teshuvah, then perhaps he doesn't have to fast. Perhaps Yom Kippur isn't for him. Therefore, the Torah says, Eik ba'ashur. Even if you didn't take advantage, basically, is what that phrase is all about, of the ten days of teshuvah, celebrate Yom Kippur. Regarding Sukkot, it states the same thing: Ech be hamisha aser aser or Yom lechodesh hashvuyi. The Meshech Chokmah teaches that a person may claim that the celebration of Sukkot is only for those who did Teshuvah and attained Atonement on Yom Kippur. If one didn't do Teshuvah and didn't attain Atonement on Yom Kippur, perhaps he has no reason to celebrate Sukkot. The Torah says, even so, which is Aleph Kaf, by the way, which is 21, which is the Gematria of Eye, the name Hashem revealed to Moshe in the burning bush says, regardless of what happened, celebrate Sukkot. We add the Pasuk. We add that the Pasuk is telling us we should never think it's too late. If we miss the days of Teshuvah, we still have Yom Kippur. And if we miss Yom Kippur, we still have Sukkot. And Hoshana Rabbah, regardless of what happened before, continue celebrating the holidays and you will merit Yeshua salvation. So this is what I'm saying become a Avenger. Get your superpower on. Take it to the next level. Go beyond yourself. Go beyond what you could possibly ever think or know. Like, find your character. There's gonna be some character that has either a similar backstory, or you'll see kind of some of the abilities and skill sets they have, and it'll truly match up with you, you know? The Shomer Man matched up for me because... Obviously I'm very witty. Yeah. Cause I am right. No, I'm just kidding. Okay. I was trying to be witty anyway, moving on. <laughs> uh, I love technology, super just trying to be as savvy as possible. And obviously, um, I am not that savvy, but there are some times where I can do things and I'm like, I didn't, I didn't think I could do that. And it's like, I realize how much Hashem just kind of gives me a a little extra, you know, a little extra something, something where he hooks me up and I'm like, wow, that was neat. And Hashem was like, you're welcome. And I'm like, because I couldn't have figured that out. But anyway, I I digress. One of them, by the way, is Magen. Like, who could have ever thought? Is there a way where we can take all of the things that we study and take pictures of and send out in text message threads and groups and share on Instagram? Is there a way we can, like, compile all that into one place and be able to instantaneously share that with anybody if they needed it? I, I'm just going to let you know, before being Shomer Man, I never would have thought like that. And it's just like, of course. And my fellow Chavivi, Ish Pela, Wonder Man, I have to shout him out because him and I were able to, by the help of Hashem, build that together. And it was like so cool. And we even made it to the point where we could give each other each other's folders and like whatever we added to our folder would be added to another person's folder simultaneously. Like it just got infinitely ridiculous. We were just like, what? You know, and we just going, anyway, because that's just how awesome it was. So Baruch Hashem. So that will index the Avenger initiative. So what I'm going to do is create a separate uh, little segment here and um, do a justice, if you will. Pun intended on all sorts of matters of all of the Avengers that we actually have. So with that being said, Todah Rabbah for listening to the Avenger Initiative. And I will say the closing bracha and come back with a segment of introducing the Avengers like runway style. Baruch Hashem. Baruka ta harunai Elohinu Melekhawlam, Asher Natan Lanu Torah temet, ve Kayeholam natabet Okenu, Baruka Harunai, no tenha haTorah Amen. Harakamanu Yezekinu Limota Mashiachul Kayehaulam Haba, Barukaba Bishem Marunai. HaKadosh Baruchu Please seal us for life, for a good year, and please inscribe us in the book of life. Seal us in the book of life. Cause this year to be a year of the redemption. Cause Mashiach Yeshua to be revealed. Mashiach Ben David, speedily and soon in, in our days. Reveal the final redemption speedily and soon in, in our days. Biskut Uveshem Mashiach Yeshua, we pray. Amen. All right, ladies and gentlemen, Havareem and all of the scene, the whole team, I would like to introduce to you the Avengers. Yay. Imagine some background music playing. First off, we have our fearless leader, Captain Israel, the Shomer version of Captain America. Captain America, y'all. Okay, following up is the Zine, who keeps it clean, who takes it to the extreme, all supreme. We have Agent Rebidzine, a.k.a. Agent Shoshanov, the Shuma version of the Black Widow. All right. Keeping it moving, we got the one and only Yo is truly Shama Man, aka the Shama version of Iron Man, because I'm that cool. Anyway, uh, taking it on over to the big green machine, the one who is just so professional with it, so incredible with it, the incredible Professor Tom Mead. That's right, the incredible Hulk. So that is Mikael to the Nicholson's. Okay. Yeah, Nicholson's with an S. Okay, Mikael Nicholson's. Okay, that's my K V B. Taking it on over to the one who brings the thunder, lays the hammer down, and ain't playing around, but will love you to life. This is the Mighty Hover, the Shomer version of Thor. Yep, talking about Menashe Gage. Get you some. Moving on over to his lovely Kala. Oh my goodness. Let's go back to the Incredible Talmud for a second because we got his lovely Kala, who is Machete, the Lady Punisher. Yes, this is Dorothy Nichols Sands. Okay, so back to the Mighty Hover and the gauges. All right, so we got Eshet Pela, which is the Shomer version of Wonder Woman. And this is Bacha Gage. We got Ish Pela, who is Wonder Man, the Shomer version of Wonder Man. And this is Shlomo to the Arroyo. Get you some. And we got his Kala, who is Isha Shamui, and this is Tirza Arroyo. Get you some. Moving on over to the crazy man with the circles. We got La Haros, who is the Shomer version of Havoc. And Havoc is uh, La Haros, who is Jared Howard. Okay, Jared Howard. Shouts out to La Haros. Moving on over to the man who flies with captain shield that's right khasis baz aka the lightning falcon and this is natan ben avraham get you some and his kala is uh what is it hanavi hanavia hashani which is basically a translation of the scarlet prophetess aka the shomer version of the scarlet witch and yes this is naomi bot get you some okay anyway so that's the wife of hasiz baz moving on over we got the amazing Hassan yep this is the shomer version of spider-man shouts out to the spider and this is our incredible Hassan Lugo Side note his collar is uh, Spider Gwen so shouts out to Amuna She throws down for show moving on over we got Gamara now Gamara is The Shomer version of Gamora and this is Raquel What's up Raquel? How you doing? moving on over to The one who was formerly controlled by Hydra broke free and now he's in the light and still in the shadow all at the same time because he's hidden in Yeshua and singing hallelujah. We got Stav Soldat who is the Shomer version of the winter soldier. And yes, this is Zal. The man who guards Arkham Lapid City is Ish Hasid aka the arkham city batman and this is one shout out to one then we got the mean slinging card playing 52 pickup just saying a the shomer version of gambit shout out to yakov and to his left, we got the surfing guy who stopped feeding the monster and is now uh, living for Hashem and trying to bring light on a cosmic level. Yes, that's right. The luminous one, Zorayak, aka the Shoma version of the Silver Surfer. This is Yaakov. Uh, this is our, our, our uh, community firefighter, basically, currently. So, Brook big things for him. Continuing on, we got the man of Lukot. Instead of the man of steel, the man of rock, he's made out of pure sapphire. That's right, we got Lukot Cage, the Shomer version of Luke Cage. And this is Moshe to the Timmins. All right, and then moving on over to his left, We got the doctor who's a little strange, but he's not that kind of doctor, different kind of doctor, but guaranteed to source you up. And that is Dr. Sakal, the Shoma version of Dr. Strange. And yes, this is Yisha. Moving on over. We got the fiery fearsome one. Who is a doctor on all sorts of scientific, biological, genetic level. Yes, I'm talking about Dr. Wilson Gray. Get you some Dr. Wilson Phoenix. The Shomer version of Gene Gray. And yes, that is Betty Wilson. Come on. And then we have her husband. Who is our Ishnemala ish who is the shomer version of ant-man and yes that's right rock Miel wilson moving on over we got the lady warrior fearsome the one called lochem who is the shomer version of the valkyrie and that is marion wilson we got the one who's always a little bit above the competition keeping a lookout And that is the man with the eagle eye, or shall we say the hawk eye? We got hawk Eyeen, which is David Wilson. Get you some of that. The sharpshooter. Moving on over, we got the one who is small, the one who's normal size, the one who is ready to pulverize. And that is Hazida, which is the wasp the Shomer version of the Wasp, and this is Mazel Maikala. Shout out to Collar. Okay, moving on, we got the crazy agent, major at decoding, mostly secretive, covert operation, bringing it to your face and your grill like a microwave. We got Agent Ahad, which is a Shomer version of Agent Peggy Carter. And yes, this is Kedzira. Moving on, we got her husband, my Abba, okay, by the way, Agent Ahad is my ima, my proud ima, I should say, and then my proud Abba here is Barzel Yad, or Yad Barzel, actually, the Iron Fist, the Shomer version of Iron Fist, and this is my Abba Mordecai. Moving on, the man with the roots, the man with the Groots, the man with the truths. We got Shoresh, the Shomer version of Groot, And yes, this is Mikael. Get you some. We're blessed with two Mikael's, so that's pretty legit. Moving on, we got the mean war machine bringing life, keeping it right, keeping it all halakhic and keeping it all zakonific. Yep, Zakinific is now a word. This is Ishmael Kama, a.k.a. the Shomer version of War Machine. And that's right, that's zakin Rafer. Moving on over, we got <clears throat> the the man, the myth, the legend, living, making truth, showing proof. That's right, we got Ha-Divar, the Shomer version of The Thing. And yes, this is zakin Yosef. And his wife, uh, Emma Gloria, Miss Gloria, she is Little Rock. So the female version of the thing. Get you some. Then moving on, we got the man who is a human projectile. Like a, a rocket missile bomb coming at you. This is Totok, a.k.a. Cannonball. And this is... Yehoshua Waybright. And then following up to him, we have another Yehoshua who is from Jukunda forever. We got that's right. Toshia, a.k.a. the Shomer version of T'Challa, who is the Black Panther. And this is Joshua Wright. Get you some of that. Then we got the one who carries the lamp of Hashem around in his heart and in his hand and wrapped around his finger. That's right. Neriarok, a.k.a. the Shomer version of Green Lantern. And this is Ari. Up from the depths, bringing up truth. This is Ish a.k.a. the Shomer version of Aquaman. And that's right. Azariah. And side note, his Kala. Is the one who accompanies him, who is super violent and controls the water as well. This is Meora, which is the Shomer version of Mara, which is Hebzibah. And then we got the Electro Pyrotechnic, the one called Yo Veil. The ninja who be breaking it down. That's right. Talking about the summer version of Jubilee. And this is Hasia. Come on. Moving on. We got the one who is the proclaimer. The one who be bringing it. The one who screens it from the rooftops and everywhere. And is very youthful at heart. And then he transforms into the super violent man. Keeping it youthful. Keeping it energetic. That's right. Kerouz. And this is the Shomer version of Shazam. And yes, this is Tom Ferris. Get you some. Moving on, we got his son, who is the Cy-per, or Cyclooptic. That's what I'm going to call it. Cyclooptic. That's right. Ayin Koak, aka the Shomer version of Cyclops. This is Hadar Ferris. Now... All the way on up in Kansas City, we got this wonderful couple that's part of our HCO group. And they are Batman and Batgirl. And that's right, the Bat People that will blow up some amazing truth. That's right, we got the Towns. And so this is Sir James and Janaea. Come on. So we need a Hebrew name for Batman and a Hebrew name for Batgirl. Because Atalef, uh, Isha Atalef and Isha Atalef, that's kind of interesting. But I guess we can go with that. All right, we'll pencil it in. But know that, believe that, and trust that that is Batman and Batgirl. And we have another Batman who's called Shabbatman. He just moved to uh, Tejas. And so he's a Tejas native almost now. And uh, yeah, that's right. That's Mr. Mark. Nixon. Get you some. All right. So keeping it moving. We got the one who is up from Julantis. That's right. Zolon, AKA the Shomer version of the Submariner. And this is Yosef Klain. And then we have his Abba, who is the Black Knight character and his Ema who is Spectrum and yes this is Mr. and Mrs. Klein Get you some. And then we got <clears throat> okay cycling through my characters here. We have a few people that Thanos snapped so that's unfortunate. But this person didn't get snapped and man are they feisty. This is the uh, the holy, um, well, he's normally called a rabbit, but uh, we're going to call him Rocket. <laughs> That's right. We got Laser, a.k.a. the Shoma version of Rocket. Get you some. Come on. And keeping it moving. Um, make sure I didn't forget anybody else. We have our brand new additions to the group. We have Moon Knight. Which is Yareak Abir and uh Sabra, who is Michael Khan and his Kala. So this is our group. And um Bezrad Hashem, I did not leave anybody out. Let me just go on down the list some more here because I have a roster file. Go ahead and Okay, we got the Captain, we got the Iron, we got the Incredible, we got the Hover, we got Sakal, we got Buzz, we got Pela, we got Laharos, we got Zolan, we got Lukot, we got Hawkeyeen, we got Milkama, we got Devar, we got Soldat, Stav Soldat, the Winter Soldier, and we got Totak, and then we got Shoresh. And then who else we got? Keeping it moving, keeping it moving. Okay, okay. Uh, by the way, Scarlet Prophetess is Navia Hashani. That's what it was, Navia Hashani. Okay, and um, and may her memory be a blessing. We have Sheer Zapor Zapor Sheer. Who is our songbird character who Rabbi so beautifully uh, endowed with the new name of Captain Marvel. And yes, this is our beloved Karen of blessed memory. Amen. So not a bad way to conclude our time. So these are our current Avengers. Bezrat Hashem. We will see more and more and more and more and more because it's time to avenge the world. Come on. All right, and we also have one more amazing bird, and that is our wonderful Zippor Aish. And um, Zippor Aish is our firebird, and this is Shoshana. And also we have the supers. We have Ish Ma'ale and Isha Ma'alei, and this is Superman and a Superwoman, and their lovely daughter, who is Supergirl, and that's right, that is the Weavers, and okay, and now that's it. Okay, so the, the fake ending is gone, and this is the, the, the real actual ending, so Baruch Hashem Mazal Tov to all of our current Avengers. Let's continue to avenge the world, and I pray and hope we see more Avengers soon in our days. Amen. Baruch haba Adonai.